Well, thank you, musicians. Thank you for your wonderful contribution and your ministry. And speaking of revival services, and especially for those listening by radio, we want to invite our radio listeners as well. Of course, we've been speaking to you as a congregation here. Want to invite our radio listeners to our revival services. That will be starting on Sunday, September 27th at 11 a.m. and 6.30 here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. And then we will continue with our revival services on Monday, September 28th through Friday, October the 2nd at 7 p.m. Reverend Steve Otley is our guest speaker and Pastor Adam Huskins and worship team will be uh, leading our music ministry from the Monday to the Friday. And our wonderful music team, worship team, right here from Rosewood Church will lead us on the Sunday morning and Sunday evening, led by Hannah Persaud and company. So, we praise God for our upcoming revival services and for the spiritual blessings, the showers of blessing that we will experience. Well, would you please turn in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 9 for the message. Nehemiah chapter 9. And as you're turning to that, I just want to say that I would appreciate it if you would listen very carefully because I'm often amazed, I'm often amazed how easily sometimes people get confused. Here's a little example of that. As you're turning to Nehemiah chapter 9, I want to tell you the story of a church treasure. This church treasure went to the pastor with the bad news that they couldn't make the mortgage payment, they couldn't pay the utilities. So the pastor went to the congregation one Sunday morning, and that pastor said something like this. He said, well, we need an extra large offering this morning. We need an extra large offering. And then the pastor said, we will honor. We will honor the person who gives the largest offering by inviting him or her to pick out Three hymns. We will let you pick out three hymns for the service. Well, to the pastor's delight, that Sunday there was a $1,000 bill put into the offering plate. Have you ever seen a $1,000 bill? Me neither. <laughs> Me neither, but they must exist, I guess. So anyway, there was a $1,000 Bill put in the offering plate, and uh, the ushers noticed that, and they sent a note up to the pastor, and that, that, that basically told the pastor that there was a thousand dollar bill in the plate, and that pastor got so excited that uh, I mean this was not something any pastor would normally do, but he got so excited he asked he asked if the if the big giver the big giver could possibly identify himself or herself. Uh, so that uh, the pastor could say thank you and uh, so that that person could also have a chance to choose three hymns. Well, pastor asked who it was perhaps and then a quiet, 
a quiet little lady, quiet elderly lady, in fact, sitting at the back corner of the church, shyly stood. She stood up, and the pastor invited her to the front. Telling her how generous her gift was, he also he invited her to choose three hymns. Well, her eyes got real bright as she looked over the congregation. She looked over the congregation and she pointed to the three most handsome men in the church and she said, well, I'll take him and him and him. Pastor Yanni is still trying to get it. <laughs> uh, all right. It's amazing how folks can get confused, huh? You can choose three hymns. <laughs> well, our theme, our theme is get ready for your personal spiritual revival. I shared part one last week on this theme, and that was from Nehemiah chapter eight. Now we come to Nehemiah chapter nine. And in this part of the Bible, we had this very special man called of God, named Ezra, who had been sent, sent to Jerusalem, sent to Israel, to really bring about renewal, to bring about spiritual revival. And God was using him in a mighty way. And as you read these chapters, you begin to see that there is a beautiful move of God amongst the Israelites, and there is spiritual renewal, there is spiritual revival happening. And uh, there are some truths that I believe can help you and me as we apply them that can assist us in bringing spiritual revival to each one of us in different ways. And the first truth that we must draw your attention to is this, from Nehemiah chapter nine. The first is this, be willing to do some fasting, some fasting, F-A-S-T-I-N-G. And the people were willing to do that in Nehemiah nine, verse nine, uh, verse one it says, on October 31, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Now we'll talk a little bit more about some of the verse there, but, but what I especially want us to focus on is that they, they fasted, it says the people assembled, and this time they, they fasted. Now this happened, this happened, as it says, October 31st, the year probably was about 444 B.C. Sometimes people will say to me, what, what really is fasting, Pastor Nick? Well, fasting is really a means by which you and I deny ourselves in some ways, in, in, in a sense, to, to help the Lord see that we are serious, that you and I are really serious as we call out to him, serious about experiencing whatever it is that we are praying for. And sometimes fasting can involve denying ourselves a meal, 
per day or two meals per day or sometimes some people will even deny themselves three meals per day. But as I speak those words, whether it's you in the sanctuary, whether it's radio listeners, I want to remind us we always need to be very careful because there are some people that need your regular meals in order not to have unnecessary health problems. And so it is wise to be consulting your doctor if ever you're thinking about about, um, practicing serious fasting in terms of food. But there are many other ways in which you or I, any of us, can can fast. Sometimes people tell me that as they prepare for revival or as they are uh, praying and seeking God to to answer a a very special prayer, sometimes people will say, say, Pastor Nick, I I denied myself. I denied myself watching television for, for three months, two months, or whatever it might be. Others will say, uh, Pastor Nick, I denied myself. Uh, I denied myself one of my favorite favorite um, desserts or, or favorite favorite um, drinks of some sort. Uh, favorite pop, for example, whatever it might be. Um, very very quickly here. Very very quickly. Is there is there anyone that wants to briefly comment some something that you have done? that basically boils down a form of fasting. Some, some people have said to me that they have, uh, they have for example, not, not watched their favorite program, their favorite television program for an extended period of time as a means of denying themselves. Others, others who have had a strong habit of, of uh, playing various games on, on their computer have indicated that they have put that, the games aside for a month or two months and said, Lord, I will deny myself those games that I find so much enjoyment in. Anyone wish to? Yes, okay. Jacqueline, I see that hand. Here we are. Yes, if you would comment. Um, in the past, um, I've denied myself and I'm fasting. Normally we'll go on six till six fast, so from six in the morning, I wouldn't eat anything until six in the evening. But it's not only not eating, but the time that I would have been eating, I'll make sure and spend that time in prayer. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else want to comment? All right. Well, as we look ahead to our revival services, my friends, I want to encourage you to say, Lord, in what way might I, or what way should I practice some fasting and practice some extra time in prayer? Amen? All right. This is a part of getting ready for personal spiritual revival. Let's go to a second truth, and it is this. Be honest with God, with yourself, and repent of your sins. As we pray, as we look to God, we need to be honest with the Lord and with ourselves. And I want you to notice this. Basically, it comes to my mind out of the first four verses, the whole chapter, actually, but you begin to see it in the first four verses. Here it is. On October 31, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. 
when someone dressed in burlap um, and sprinkled dust on their heads, it was a way of expressing sorrow. It was a, a way of saying, God, I'm, 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 I'm sorry for the wrongs I've done towards you. What's another word that some of you are familiar with uh, for burlap? Sackcloth, some of your Bible translations would say sackcloth, yes. Uh, but probably a lot of you are not that familiar with the word burlap, are you? Some of you might be, uh, but um, I, I guess maybe one of the easiest ways of identifying with it is uh, you've probably seen 50-pound or 100-pound potatoes, potatoes in these big bags, right? And a lot of times they, they've been put in, in, in burlap or something like that, all right? But anyway, going on to verse two, it says, those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their sins. So here we are, all right? They're being honest with God. They're confessing their sins. Confessed their, their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord their God was read aloud to them. Then for three more hours they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord their God. Let me just pause right there. I mean, I read that and I reread it and I thought, man, for three more hours they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord their God. I hope that in those three hours they, they primarily worshiped the, like, Jacqueline, when I read that, I say to myself, I, I mean, how much, how, how much could anyone have sinned for it to take three hours to confess? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I am inclined to th believe that what it's really meaning is that they were, they were worshiping the Lord for those three hours, and in the course of those three hours, they were also confessing their sins. Uh, I just thought, you know, how much can anyone sin that it would take three hours to fully confess? Well, anyway, verse four says, the Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shabania, Bani, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kanani, stood on the stairway of the Levites and cried out to the Lord their God with loud voices. So, what it all boils down to is, when we read what they did, it really boils down to, as I've pointed out, and you see it on the big screen, they were honest with God, they were honest with themselves, and they repented of whatever sins they were aware of. And so, my friends, I, I want to suggest and encourage all of us to do likewise, to be honest with the Lord in these days ahead, before our revival services, during our revival services. Be honest with ourselves. And if there are issues that we need to talk to the Lord about, there are matters that we need to pray about and repent of, do it. We need to do it. Because it's necessary for personal spiritual revival. It's necessary for revival as a church, as a country. Amen? So let's be honest and, and with the Lord and do as, as these people did 444 years before Christ. 
And then as we move into verse uh, 5, we once again notice a truth that came up in last week's message that I believe also is very important for revival, and it is this. Be eager to praise the Lord. Be eager to praise the Lord. Notice they did this in verse 5. Then the leaders of the Levites, Yeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabnia, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shabaniah, and Pathaliah called out to the people, stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. He lives from everlasting to everlasting. Stand up and praise the Lord. I want to encourage us to indeed move more and more as individuals and as a church family towards praising the Lord, to praise the Lord. When we have individual times, when we have, when we have church services like this, when you're at some unique places. Earlier this week, I was at, um, at Sunnybrook Hospital with, uh, with Jacqueline and Ernie. Um, Jacqueline had a very important po- appointment there. And, and uh, Jacqueline, you don't know this yet, but one of, one of the blessings that I got after we were at the hospital was I was exiting exiting the hospital, going to my, my uh, car, and so I had to go in one of, these, one of these stairwells. I mentioned this, I don't know, years ago. I went into one of the stairwells. Well, what you folks need to know is the stairwells in the parking lot at Sunnybrook Hospital, listen, if ever you're there, you gotta go into that stairwell. I went into that stairwell, and as I was climbing down to the level where I parked, I just began to sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below. And I'm telling you, that stairwell, you'd think it was specially designed for someone to sing praise God from whom all blessings flow. I am not kidding, you know? You couldn't design better acoustics for for someone to sing a song like that. So sometime if you're at Sunnybrook, you know, even though the parking is expensive, it's worth having a chance to sing in that stairwell. So don't miss out. Don't miss out. Yeah. Even if there's someone else in the stairwell, don't worry about it. They'll get blessed from your singing. I hope. All right? But let's be eager to praise the Lord. All right. Here's a fourth truth that can help us get ready for personal spiritual revival. It is this. Have some serious times of prayer and reflection. Prayer and reflection. Beginning in the last part of verse 5, and going all the way to verse 35, all right? If you just look at it in your Bible, beginning at the last part of verse five, going all the way down to verse 35, we have the longest recorded prayer 
in the Bible. If you can find a longer one, tell me about it. But I believe this is the longest recorded prayer in the Bible. Now what I find very interesting is that in this prayer, the people do a lot of reflection. In the prayer, if you read the whole thing, you see how they're reflecting on the past. And I believe that as you and I pray and reflect upon God, it will help us to better experience a personal revival. Uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of prayer, I have, I have to tell you this story. I have to tell you this story. Uh, this story was, was told at a missions conference um, some time ago. Anyway, it was told at a missions conference. A young missionary was chased through the African bush for a week. So this young missionary was chased through the African bush for a week by a ferocious lion. Finally, the missionary found himself cornered, and in despair, he fell to his knees and he prayed. The missionary prayed for deliverance. To his amazement, the lion also began to pray. Wow, it's, it's truly a miracle. It's truly a miracle, said the missionary you, a, a killer lion, joining me in prayer just when I thought my life was going to end. Be quiet, said the lion. I'm saying grace. <laughs> Some missionary told that. Anyway, learning from the, the prayer of these Israelites... Here are some of the subjects you and I should reflect upon that will help us experience revival. To begin with, reflect upon God's greatness. Notice this in the second part of verse five going into verse six. It says, then they prayed, may your glorious name be praised, may it be exalted above all blessing and praise, and then verse six, you alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all, and the angels of heaven worship you. What are they doing? What are the people doing? They're reflecting upon God's greatness. Do you see that? Yesterday, when we had the all-day prayer time from eight in the morning to late in the evening in our sanctuary, it was very interesting for me. And those of you who, will, who were here, if you stop and think, you'll say, yeah. It was very interesting for me to observe how often, how often people like Jacqueline spoke of God's greatness in their prayers. Those of you who were here, did you notice that? Think about it. It was amazing how often different people, like Jacqueline, spoke of God's greatness in their prayers, and then, and then at the end of uh, the day, our worship team, led by Hannah, our worship team did a beautiful, a beautiful uh, ministry of leading us in a time of praise at the end of the day, from seven till eight, and, and Hannah led us in the song, How Great Is Our God. It's tremendous. So 
let's, this week, my friends, reflect upon, when you pray, or when you just spend moments of quietness reflecting, reflect upon God's greatness. All right? Also, reflect upon God's blessings in your life. Notice, notice how they, they are reflecting upon God's blessing in giving the Israelites, in how God gave the Israelites the promised land. We see this in verse seven and eight. Here it is. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him from Ur of the Chaldeans and renamed him Abraham. When he had proved himself faithful, you made a covenant with him to give him and his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. And you have done what you promised, for you are always true to your word. Notice verse 8. When he had proved himself faithful, you made a covenant with him to give him and his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, and, and so on. So it's talking about how, how God blessed them with the promised land. And I want to suggest to you this week, have times when you and I reflect upon the blessings in your life. I understand that, that everything probably isn't perfect, all right? It's probably not perfect in, in anyone's life. But with all of us, there are numerous blessings, and you and I can and should reflect upon them. And it helps us to experience spiritual renewal. Then also reflect upon, and these are kind of tied together, Reflect upon God's faithfulness and help in your life. We see this in verses 9 through 12. The people reflected upon how God, God was faithful to them and helped them in their lives. Here it is. Verse 9. You, referring to God, you saw the misery of our ancestors in Egypt and you heard their cries from beside the Red Sea. You displayed miraculous signs and wonders against Pharaoh, his officials, and all his people, for you knew how arrogantly they were treating our ancestors. You have a glorious reputation that has never been forgotten. You divided the sea for your people so they could walk through on dry land. And then you hurled their enemies into the depths of the sea. They sank like stones beneath the mighty waters. You led our ancestors by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so that they could find their way. So what do we see here? They're reflecting upon God's faithfulness and the help that he gave them. Let's do the same. Let's do the same, my friends. And there are many other verses that tell us to do or speak of God's faithfulness. Psalm 25, verse 10 says, The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. Psalm 36, verse 5 says, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. And for many of us, the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, is very special to us, isn't it? Many times people, when I'm meeting with people in, in preparation for, for funeral services, other times for wedding services, people will say, Pastor, could we please sing 
Great is thy faithfulness. Amen? All right. John MacArthur, pastor of Grace Community Church in California, says this. He says, you know how to trust God in the present? He says, watch him in the past. God has already established the pattern of his faithfulness. Do you know one good reason to study the Old Testament? Then he says, to find out that God is a faithful God. And if you can see him vindicated all through the past history of man's age, you can certainly trust him in this moment. Revival grows deeper as we comprehend, my friends, the faithfulness of God. Let it be so. And then reflect also upon God's guidance and instructions for your life. This comes to us out of verses 13 and 14. Uh, We read here where God gave them some instructions and guidance. Uh, Here it is, verse 13. You came down at Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. You, that is the Lord, gave them regulations and instructions that were just and decrees and commands that were good. You instructed them, that is their ancestors, You instructed them concerning your holy Sabbath, and you commanded them through Moses, your servant, to obey all the commands, decrees, and instructions. You gave them bread from heaven when they were hungry and water from the rock when they were thirsty. You commanded them to go and take possession of the land you had sworn to give them. What's he doing there? the, The people are reflecting as they're praying. They're reflecting upon how God gave his people guidance and gave instructions, gave teaching through his holy word. Amen? God gives to you and me, to all of us, guidance and instructions as to how to live, how to live through his holy Bible. He gives us this instruction from and through his holy Bible, from and by and through his Holy Spirit, and sometimes he gives it through other wise people, loving people, people who have your best interest at heart. And we need to say, Lord, I want to reflect upon your guidance and instructions for my life in the past, and it will help me in the present. By the way, by the way, there are times that we have to be careful not to fool ourselves by, how can I put this, by manipulating the results so that we can tell ourselves that it was what God wanted. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that it was what God wanted. Here's an example of what I mean. Here's a, an instance. An overweight man always stopped by the bakery on his way to work to pick up goodies for the staff coffee break. So he used to do this regularly, which was very nice of him. He stopped by the bakery on his way to work to pick up goodies for the office uh, coffee break. This practice, however, was scrapped. It was stopped when the man went on a diet and his fellow coworkers, the other staff members, understood, because they understood, okay, he, you know, he was on a diet, he was trying to stop, trying to avoid temptation. One day, he had to drive by the bakery on a work-related errand. As he approached the old bakery, he said to himself, huh, maybe 
maybe God wants me to stop by the bakery this morning and pick up some goodies for the office. Maybe that's what God wants me to do. So he told the Lord that he would only stop. He told the Lord he would only stop if God made a parking spot available right in front of the bakery. And sure enough, sure enough, there it was, a beautiful parking spot right in front of the bakery on his, on his eighth trip around the block. Got it? Sometimes we have to be careful not to manipulate our will so that it looks like it is God's will. Right? And then let's also reflect upon God's provision for you. In some ways this was mentioned in, a, in one of the other points. Some of these uh, could perhaps be combined. God's provision, all right? Basically, th- verses 15, verses 20 and t- 21. Uh, let, let's just briefly look at verse 20 and 21, for example. The, the people said, you sent, you sent your good spirit to instruct them and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out. Man, I'd love that if my clothes didn't wear out. I don't know, I just find that uh, after about seven or eight years my my clothes start to rip and and, and, you have to keep sewing them up or get get them sewed up and stuff like that. But I, I like this, you know, their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not, did not swell. What's it talking about? God's provision for them. They were reflecting upon how God provided. There, there's that hymn that we sometimes sing, count your blessings, name them one by one. In other words, think about the way in which God has provided for you. Count those blessings, name them one by one, see what God has done, right? And then also, my friends, reflect upon God's patience and forgiveness towards you. God's patience and forgiveness. This is, this is what we find in verses 16 to 19. In verses 16 to 19, it says, but our ancestors were proud and stubborn and they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in, e- in Egypt. Here it is. But, but, you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry, enrich and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them even when they made an idol shaped like a calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. They committed terrible blasphemies. But in your great mercy, you did not abandon them, referring to their ancestors. You did not abandon our people to die in the wilderness. So, 
what are they doing? They're reflecting upon God's patience and forgiveness towards them. And I would like to suggest to you, my friends, to also reflect upon God's, God's patience and forgiveness towards you. Amen? As we do, as we reflect upon these truths this week and next week, I believe God in a mysterious way, in a beautiful way, will help to use these truths to bring about further internal spiritual revival for each of us. To God be the glory. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for what we discover from this part of your Holy Bible, Nehemiah chapter nine. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. And Lord, I just pray, I just pray that you would help all of us to take these truths seriously, to, to do our best to apply them, to practice them, for your honor and glory and for our own spiritual benefit and spiritual growth and, and as a part of our road to victory in revival. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.